Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 39, Christians on the Convention Scene, recorded Thursday, March 20th of 2014, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, Brandon, and Derek. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. I'm Brandon. And I'm Derek. Hello, Derek. Welcome. Glad to be here, Grant. Okay, so we've got Derek White with us. Derek, take a minute and tell us why you're famous and why you're on our show. I really don't think of myself as famous, but I'm known online and at various gaming conventions as the Geek Preacher. I've been attending gaming conventions on and off since 1999, and back in 2007, I helped out with the worship service at Gen Con, and then in 2008, they invited me to speak at the worship service, and every year since then, I've kind of had a standing invitation by the Christian Gamers Guild to come back whenever I'm at Gen Con and basically bring a sermon. So I've been doing that every year since 2008, except for one year in there where I wasn't able to come. I also have a website called geekpreacher.com, which I put out there probably about a week after Gary Gygax died, maybe two weeks, in honor of him because Gary was a believer, is a believer. My daughter continues to remind me of that. Believers (laughs) are not gone. They are with the Lord, so I have to remember that. That's when I put up geekpreacher.com. I'm on Facebook and all these other places. I post a lot of stuff, read a lot of geeky things, and that's how most people know me. I also pastor two churches in Tennessee. I'm a United Methodist minister and a pastor in Trenton, Tennessee, and enjoy it very much. Excellent. Yes, folks, it only took us 38 episodes, but we finally got an actual pastor on the show. (laughs) (laughs) They're hard bookings. (laughs) Yes, shockingly, they tend to be busy people. (laughs) <laughs> really? I thought I was only supposed to work two days a week. Yeah, wow. I'm I'm honestly surprised that you actually managed to sleep with everything you just told us you do, Derek. I'm <laughs> lucky if I get about four or five hours of sleep a night. Oof. It does keep me busy. 2008, I finally graduated school with my bachelor's degree. 2012, I finished my master's of divinity and then had a bout of insanity and worked a year and a half on a doctorate of ministry. And I said, wait, I don't have time for this. So I had to take a leave of absence from the doctoral program. (laughs) Yeah, I just needed a little bit more time for the family and a lot more time for the church. Yeah, well, that's understandable. Yeah. Well, Derek, thanks for taking your time to be on with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, no, it's it's our pleasure. Yeah. So real quick, does anybody have any news and notes before we start talking with Derek about the reason he's here? Uh. Mm, nothing to say yet. Okay, that's good. That's cryptic. <laughs> Very cryptic. As is Brandon's way. Yes. <laughs> right before you hear this episode, I'll have been doing International Tabletop Day at my local game store in South Carolina. So hopefully next episode will have some information about that and things to talk about. It should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I doubt there are any listeners in the area where I am, but hopefully after I meet people there, maybe there will be. Who knows? And I'll have met some awesome people. Nice. So that'll be cool. I remain published, but we've talked about that in previous episodes, so... Indeed. So, real quick, before we get into our scripture, I want to remind everybody, if you are listening to us for the first time, go out to our website, savingthegamepodcast.org. We've got links to all of our social media stuff there. You can listen to episodes, backlog, 
all that good stuff. Go check it out. All right. So, Scripture. Derek, you wanted to start us off here. Uh, yes. Genesis 12.1, the call of Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And the next one we have is Matthew eighteen nineteen and 20 from the Sermon on the Mount. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And the last one we have is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 to 25. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, Derek, we brought you on to talk about a topic that I don't believe Peter, Brandon, or I have a lot of experience with, and which you have quite a bit of experience with, and that's being Christians on the convention scene. I do have a great deal of experience with it, not as much as some. One person who I know for a fact has more experience with this than I do is Dave Mattingly of the Christian Gamers Guild. Mm -hmm. Dave is a great friend. I've known Dave for years and years online, and we have had the pleasure of knowing each other face-to-face as well. And Dave has really, really been the driving force behind making sure a lot of the major gaming conventions have a worship service on Sunday for Christians. And uh, he works tirelessly to make sure that happens. And so I want to make sure I give Dave a shout out because I wouldn't have been able to do the ministry I've done without Dave's friendship and support. I've talked to Dave very briefly online here and there. And yeah, he's a great guy. So I got a question for you, Derek. Go for it. How much of a Christian presence, an explicitly Christian presence, is there at, I'm going to say gaming conventions. There are a lot of small ones. There are a lot of large ones. How much is there at those conventions? Well, when you say explicitly Christian, I think of like booths and uh, worship services and things of that nature. Right. And that's what I'm thinking of too. At Gen Con, I know now it is even more so than it used to be. You have at least two groups there. Well, actually more than that. Last year was the first year we were able to have a booth as the Christian Gamers Guild, but we did not just do it ourselves as the Christian Gamers Guild. We work hand-in-hand with Fans for Christ. I feel myself a part of both organizations. But Game Church started, I believe, the year before. Last year it was 2013, so I believe it was 2012 that Game Church was there the first time. It may have been 2011, but Game Church was putting out booths there. You've probably seen their posters. They say, Jesus for the win. They give out a Gospel (laughs) of John. They give out T-shirts. They've given out candles, all kinds of great swag costs have went up they've had to charge minimal for it just to recoup some of their costs mm-hmm. but game church has been there explicitly at gen con for a number of years christian gamers guild has been doing worship services for over a decade at gen con they have let people know about it so i would say there's a good presence at gen con the feedback at gen con has been wonderful i understand we've had a presence at origins There has been good feedback at Origins. 
Fans for Christ have a good presence at Dragon Con. Hmm. They're there every year. Makes sense. A few years back, I went to New Orleans Comic Con. I was doing research for my doctorate, I promise. (laughs) I went to New Orleans Comic Con, and I'm just walking around looking at it. I mean, it was just one huge dealer hall. It was great. And I walked up, and I saw the Fans for Christ booth, and I was like, hey, I know you guys. And they were like, hey, yeah. And we just talked. So there is more and more. As time goes on, there is more and more an explicit Christian presence and what I love about it is it's not the, you know, bashing people over the head. You know, it's just like any part of fandom. At New Orleans Comic Con, I saw booths for, hey, local college gaming groups, local community gaming groups. So the best part is about the fandom, the Christian fans who are at gaming conventions, we treat it just like any other part of fandom. Hey, here's our interest. Here's what we like. You know, we're gamers, we're geeks, we're Christians, we're nerds, we're dorks, whatever you want to call us, but we're also Christians. Mm -hmm. And here's a place for us to meet together. And in doing that, it has opened up opportunities for all types of ministry conversations with atheists, agnostics, Buddhists, Hindus, you name it. We've had conversations with all kinds of people. And their biggest thing is they're just happy to see us there as a friend. A number of Christians are also involved in various charities at gaming conventions as well. A number of conventions put together charities, and we work with those. Very cool. I know Fans for Christ. I know Christian Gamers Guild, but I don't know Game Church that well, actually. They are pretty much what I would call the video gamer section of Outreach. Ah, okay. They have a really great website. You just Google Game Church. They have blogs. They have gaming reviews. They actually go to trade shows and interview people. The first year I met them at Gen Con, they were kind of looking around like, what in the world is this place? And after I talked to them, I realized... (laughs) you guys think you're at a video game convention because they saw all the cosplayers coming out in Final Fantasy cosplay, Call of Duty cosplay, Halo cosplay. They saw that, but they didn't see a lot of video games because Gen Con and most of the activities at Gen Con are known for tabletop gaming. And so they had to kind of go, wait a second, this is a little different for us. And they felt out Gen Con was different, but that didn't stop them. And I love those guys for that. It sounds like they keep going back, huh? Yeah, they do. They did not let it stop them. They keep going back. Last year, they helped us get our booth so that we had a Christian Gamers Guild Fans for Christ booth. The Inroads Ministry guys were there. Mike Perna was there with us at our booth. But he also went over to the Game Church booth because Perna is just awesome. He loves tabletop and he loves video games. I mean, that guy lives and eats and drinks gaming. Yeah. And he was back and forth between both booths. I don't think he knew what to do with himself. He was having so much fun. But it was great. And so we had one side of the dealer hall, Christian Gamers Guild. We had a little small booth. And then you walk the other side and you see Game Church. So what was really fun was I'd have people say, hey, the Game Church guys set us over here. And we'd have people come up, hey, where are the Game Church guys at? Because they helped us get the money for the booth. This year, financially, it's expensive putting up a booth at a con. Yeah. So financially, they weren't able to do that for us this year, but we had one donor donate the money this year, and I know that was a faith donation. This person stretched their budget really, really bad, but they did it to take care of Gen Con because they saw the level of response we got last year, 
and it was awesome. I mean, it was just continual. And our booth was set up kind of like a living room with a couch, with a little small sofa, chairs. And when you're walking around a big, large convention, you get tired. Sure. And there's no places in those dealer halls to really sit down and relax. So some people would come by and say, hey, can I sit out? Sure. Go ahead. That's what we're here for. And that would lead to conversation. Sometimes it led to about five to ten minutes of awkward silence. (laughs) (laughs) But most of the time it led to really great conversations. We had a good time. You know, I had some people stop by because they knew me. I had some people stop by. didn't have any idea in the world who I was, but were just glad that there were Christians there. So it's amazing the number of people of faith you will find at these conventions. I went to Dragon Con 2006, 2007, something like that. But at that time, I don't think I was paying much attention to really anything <laughs> Christian that would have been there at that point. Yeah. I was not. I, if you'd asked me, I'd probably have said I was a Christian, but wasn't paying it much attention, if you get my point. Right, right. So I missed anything that was there then. But I can tell you, these big cons, they need places like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. So you've mentioned Fans for Christ, Christian Gamers Guild, Game Church, Inroads Ministries. Do you know of any others that are out there? Uh, I cannot think of any specific groups. I know there are a number of Christians on the scene. I've seen some church game groups, individual local churches, have three or four people from a church gaming group at some of the smaller cons I've been to. Okay, that's cool. Generally, it's one or two people coming up to me and they say, hey, yeah, we're kind of the geeks at our church and we game together. So when I say game group from a church, I mean the geeks who have found each other in their church through the secret handshake. (laughs) The secret handshake? Darn it. Yeah, man, you didn't know. You didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know about the secret handshake either. (laughs) I'll tell you what mine was at church. That was being introduced to the whole congregation when I joined church I switched to recently and putting RPGs and podcasting in my list of interests that the confused sponsor was reading off. (laughs) Got a couple people come up to me and go, yeah, so you should join our gaming group. Hasn't happened yet (laughs) because one of them has couple of kids and one of them's just getting married so yeah. they're a little busy but one guy said oh yeah well we've been gaming since basic D that is cool awesome i got someone who can actually teach me older games yeah <laughs> i remember the first time i told my district superintendent i was going to a gaming convention she thought i meant gambling <laughs> so i have to watch when i say i'm going to a gaming convention oh poker Blackjack? Look, no, no, no tabletop gaming. No Russian roulette. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody prays like a Russian roulette conference attendee. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Well, cool. No, I, I'm glad to know that there are these organizations out there. I, I was familiar with some of them, but obviously not all. And I will, just for our listeners, put all of the links to these groups pages in the show notes so check out those show notes on our website if you want to find any of those in particular i gotta ask what's worship service like at a convention because i can imagine what it's like at dragon con lots of costumes yeah yeah dragon con i've seen some of their videos i've never been to dragon con but i would characterize dragon con's worship service as probably more charismatic contemporary Mm. And it's pretty cool. I've seen seen some of their videos. It's really nice. The worship service at Gen Con tries to be as ecumenical as possible. We've okay. had Tom Vassell uh, lead our worship and singing. Uh, if you're familiar with Tom, he does the Dice Tower podcast mm-hmm. video where he talks about a lot of tabletop gaming. 
Uh, he's a minister, and he's... Yeah, the next time you talk to him, tell him we want more Dice Steeple episodes. Those were really good. <laughs> yeah. And they only yeah. did three. Yeah, no, Sorry, that's all right. Sorry, continue. Hey, hey, hey could, could you pass messages to us, like, to all of our people that, we, <laughs> that like, we can't contact you yet? I mean... I mean, it's not like we want to use you or anything. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is I only know Tom in passing. I've never really sat down and talked to Tom. It's well, that's more okay. like you're, uh, you're like pre- preachers. You're, you've got an in. We're, we're all good with that. I'm joking, by the way, of course. <laughs> hey, I'm a Methodist preacher. He's oh, a Baptist oh, preacher. Oh, you got to yes. watch that. And yeah. never the twain shall meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I still have good Baptist preacher friends. They didn't disown me when I became <laughs> Methodist, so I'm okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so at the worship service, what you generally see is we have music, we have scripture reading, we have a message, and we have communion, which is really good. We let people know the communion is open. Uh, the good thing is, as a United Methodist minister, we have open communion in our mm-hmm. churches. Our communion is open to everybody of whatever denomination, background, whether they're a part of a church or not. If they want to receive communion, we turn no one away from the table. And so I'm fortunate in my tradition, I'm able to share that with the people. And I also let people know, you know, if in your tradition you don't take communion, if this is not a part of what you do, that's okay too. Nobody's worried about that. Dave Manningly always brings the communion. We use the little small portable communion cups. You pull off the top, there's a wafer, pull off the other part, there's the juice. Huh. I've never seen I those. Didn't know such a thing existed. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, a lot of ministers use them for home communion. Dave oh, also yeah. has done some prison ministry, and you use those in prisons because, of course, you can't bring glass into prison and things of that nature. Oh, that makes sense. So it's really nice for people, and it's really portable. It doesn't spoil. They have a good long shelf life. Yeah, of course. So that helps out. We have a really great response. I mean, when you think about, we generally have close to 300 people in the worship service. That's a lot. Yeah. Now, when you think there's usually 40,000 gamers, that doesn't sound like a lot. But even if 10% came, we wouldn't have the room for it. Every year, we've tried to find bigger and bigger rooms. They've given us great space outside the dealer hall. And one year, we were overflowing. We had people standing in the hallways. Last year, they gave us a good room where we had nice size. We had a lot of people as well, but it was a little further away from the main hall. So it's a little bit easier to miss when you're kind of out of the way. Mm-hmm. But when we were close to the dealer hall, we'd have a lot of people just wander in going, what is this? Oh, well, and it was really nice. And it still is really nice. Oh, juice and crackers. Well, Yeah, juice and crackers. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, one year Dave was sharing this story. I believe he did this at Origins where he left some of the communion elements on the table during the worship service and said, basically, you know, this is communion. This is what this is. Feel free to take one. Hmm. And he said, you know, people did. I had to struggle with a little of the theology behind it because I was going, ah, you know, I was a little iffy about it. Then I talked to some friends about it and they said, you know, Jesus would leave bread and wine for somebody if they were hungry and thirsty. And so what someone does with it, that's up to them. But at the same time, I thought, you know, it's a really, really good gesture of hospitality. And I think he told me that all of it was gone by the time he got back. Oh, there you go. So our worship services, you know, they wouldn't be as, as formal as some. You know, they're really laid back. It's a bunch of gamers. You got people sitting in there in cosplay. You got people sitting in there in their street clothes. You got all kinds of geek t-shirts rocking the room. 
And then mm-hmm. you've got guys like me who some years I've dressed in uh, normal clergy garb. Last year I decided to cosplay and I wore what I call my geek clerical vestment because I've been working on kind of a Solomon Kane outfit. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. You said that the services at the convention were not as formal as some. Did you mean formal as in other churches or formal as in other Yeah, formal as you would see in a church. Conventions vary. Gen Con's usually about the same. The service at Gen Con, you're going to have people walking in, talking. Somebody's going to get up, give some announcements. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to read some scripture. We're going to take communion. We're going to pray. May have another announcement or two. And then we go back to gaming or packing up or whatever you need to do before you get ready to leave. Because usually Sunday's the last day of a convention. Mm-hmm. That makes um, sense. Just out of sheer curiosity, what kind of songs do you use? Do you use traditional hymns? Do you use, like, Chris Tomlin? Do you use stuff like his, or what What do you use? Uh, we have used what would be considered some contemporary praise courses. We have used a couple of traditional hymns. At Gen Con, we try and throw in a little bit of both. So it's been kind of interesting. I've had people from more, I hate to use the words traditional and contemporary. It's a personal thing because most contemporary christian music is 25 years old and i don't find that very contemporary well most of the traditional stuff is at least a century old so by comparison well that's true by comparison that's right what's been interesting is i've had people come up to me who attend what we would call a more contemporary service where you aren't using hymns that are 100 years old or 200 years old and they've said oh man i haven't heard those songs in years that was really nice and then I would have people who came from more traditional backgrounds. They would hear a couple of praise choruses, something similar to what Chris Tomlin would do. Or those, they said, I've never really heard that before. I really liked that. And they would go, wow, that's pretty cool. Depending on where we're coming from or who we have leading the singing, which is not me. <laughs> do not do that. Depending on who we have leading the singing. One year, we had this guy who was just an awesome worship leader. It was just, I think it was my first year to do a sermon at Gen Con. He was wonderful. And it would probably have been along the lines of somebody like Chris Tomlin leading a worship service. And uh, sadly, he passed away, I think, the following year. Mm. He was a young guy. was really heartbreaking. Oh. And he just, it was uh, awesome. You know, of course, my opinion's biased because that was my first year to preach. But I just really especially felt the presence of God that year. And so Dave, a lot of times, will pick out the hymns. And when he does, what I've liked is he's tried to put a little bit of both there so that people from both backgrounds feel comfortable and find something they can recognize. I don't want to say I've yet to have anybody complain because then as soon as you do, somebody's going to complain. You know, as a pastor, that happens. No complaints yet. Great. Then you get a phone call Monday morning, (laughs) 9 a.m. I would like to register a formal complaint. I heard you haven't gotten any complaints, and therefore I must put one in. You know my parishioners, don't you? Because I have some who would do that just for the fun of it and be laughing the whole time. I actually think I might actually be putting in a little complaint here because I have a question. Okay. I'm Seventh-day Adventist, so I'm, I'm not a Sunday worshiper. Okay. Are there any services or things like that for people who worship on a day other than Sunday, or is it just on a Sunday service? It is just a Sunday service, Mm -hmm. so we do not. I will tell you, it's hard enough on a Sunday morning. If you tried to have a Saturday service at a gaming convention, Saturday is when people are all out full board gaming. 
Saturday is also the day when a lot of families come into conventions with that one-day pass. I would love to see somebody try and do it because I love different types of things. I would really love to see that happen, but trying the logistics of a Saturday is really, really difficult. And I'm sure as a Seventh-day Adventist, you know how difficult it is to do things on a Saturday. I would love to see something like that occur. We even talked one year about trying to do two services on a Sunday to reach more people, but we knew we would be spreading ourselves too thin. So it's just difficult finding that good combination. But that's a great question. I have a specific one myself. What kind of topics do you preach a sermon on at a gaming convention? Uh, let's see. One year, the title of the sermon was So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. <laughs> Gen Con 2011. Oh, Hitchhiker's oh. Guide to the Galaxy reference. Okay. There you go. And also a Feeding of the 5,000 reference at the same time. Very nice. Uh, All kinds of references because I was using the text for the ascension of the Lord because the Lord ascended after he had fixed them some fish. I used it as a two-way conversation. The Lord is ascending, and Peter's looking at the Lord and saying, So long. Thanks for all the fish. And he's saying, So long. Thanks for all the fish you're sending me. (laughs) Go out and fish for people. The Lord's thanking Peter for the fish fish, and Peter is thanking the Lord for the fish that he has. And so that was kind of the gist of the sermon was so long and thanks for all the fish. Wow, that is astoundingly clever. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I am very, very amazed. That's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, the first sermon I preached at JEDCON was on the branding of the church. What's your brand? Uh, I have my bachelor's degree is in organizational management, and I have a lot of marketing background and studied a lot of marketing. And so I preached a sermon on Christianity. What's your brand? What is the brand of Christianity you have? Is it a label or what? And so I talked about the things that unite Christians, and I used the book of Galatians and talked about what should unite us? What is the brand that unites us? What's our brand identity? And in Galatians, it's caring for the poor and total inclusion of all people. Galatians 3.28, in Christ there is no slave, there is no free, there is no male, there is no female, there is no Jew, there is no Greek. All are one in Christ. That was the first one. So it just depends. I try and make sure it's something geeky, but I am an uber geek. I am a general geek. A lot of geeks have one thing they really like. If you said, Derek, what's the one thing you really like? I'd have to say, well, role-playing games and comic books, because... Both of those go hand in hand for me, but I just love all kinds of geeky stuff. You could drop me in a science fiction convention, a fantasy convention, a comic convention, any of those, a gaming convention, and I will just be happy. You could drop me in a Ren Faire, a LARP, cosplay, and I'm good to go. So I generally try and bring a message that's going to speak to the broader community because there are things that, as geeks... You might be a cosplayer, and you'd never have played a tabletop RPG, but you still know what a D20 is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I try and find common threads that bring people together. Yeah, we talk a lot about subcultures when we're doing geek podcasts, and it's nice to hear about and think of our faith as connecting us in a sort of superculture. Yes. You know? Oh, I like that. Superculture. I'm stealing that. Well, I'm not stealing it if I tell you, but... <laughs> Feel free, because yeah. I keep trying to write an article about it for En-ROADS, and I can't write it. It's not coming out, so please steal super it. Make culture. something happen. Geek superculture. 
I got roar. Oh man, that's great. There you go. I am <laughs> super culture. Wow. That's awesome. You're welcome. That's awesome. Please don't hulk out at me. Um. <laughs> Did that sermon once too. So. <laughs> there will be a slight break in the audio, folks. Derek has turned green and started smashing things. <laughs> we're gonna get a little technical difficulty yes, sign. We'll, we'll be back as there. soon as somebody can play, you know, the sad Hulk music to calm him down. Oh, oh, <laughs> I love that music. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. All right. So I gotta ask. Aside from booths, are there any formal activities that happen at major conventions for Christian audiences? Not just worship services, yeah. but games, panels, uh, that sort of thing? I could uh, not speak to all conventions, but I could speak to Gen Con sure. and some of the smaller ones I've been at. First, I'll talk about what happened at New Orleans Comic Con. While it was not specifically for Christians, they did have uh, stories on myth and fable and legend was really good. They had some mm -hmm. really interesting speakers who, while the speakers were not Christian, they were avowedly openly not Christian, but were very positive about Christian stories and the relationship between Christianity and some of the stories in geek culture. And I thought, wow, that was pretty cool. Hmm. So there's always some sort of panel at Gen Con, Christian Gamers Guild. We have a panel on faith and gaming, what we call the faith and gaming panel. It's either Friday night or Friday afternoon. It's usually Friday afternoon. That's what caused me to go to the first Gen Con I went to in 2007 because we had Gary Gygax on the panel, okay. the creator of D&D. I'm sure you guys know who that is. Oh, yeah. And so, who? Yeah, <laughs> wise guy. Who is that guy? Who is that guy? No clue. But he was on the panel. We had Michael Stackpole on the panel, who's done all kinds of work in the gaming industry and a number of other people. It's been generally a discussion and a free-for-all. This year, I did something a little different. They asked me to host the panel this year. Oh, okay. And, well, I say this year, but it was in 2013. It was last Gen Con. I also had the joy of getting the guests as well. So, hey, never volunteer to host a panel because suddenly it's like, oh, you're hosting the panel. Great. Uh, you also have to get the guests, too. Here's the work. You do Yeah, it. yeah. We had Larry Elmore. If you're familiar with fantasy art, Larry Elmore is one of the premier fantasy artists of all time. Uh, he did the cover for the famous Red Box set from 1983, Basic D&D. &D. He also did most of the mm, artwork okay. for Dragonlance, the Dragonlance uh, books, which came out in the 1980s and a lot of the future ones. He's very well known. He's done numerous covers of Dragon Magazine. We had Dave Mattingly on the panel. He filled in for us. And Jason Elliott, who is the publisher of Gygax Magazine, was on the panel this year. And so what we did is we just talked to them about various things. Well, I had some scripted questions I wanted to ask them and let them go with. And then we took questions from the audience and it was a really, really good panel. And so we do that. We do have that big event every year. But I've noticed the last two years at Gen Con, other people have also had other Christian-related events. I have not been able to attend them because my schedule is usually really busy at Gen Con. And I don't know who these folks are, but it, it was positive events. It was not like, oh, those blasted Christians. It was, hey, I'm a Christian, right. and we're going to have this event. Noticed a couple of games that have shown up by Christian gamers. At Gen Con, we've had Christian gamers and games that have been produced by people of faith and have been demoed. But at Gen Con, hmm. the world comes to Gen Con. I have to be honest. I right. Mean, 
Gen Con and Dragon Con are the two biggest ones, but if it's tabletop gaming related in any way, shape, or form, it all comes to Gen Con. Gen Con, I think, is turning into the San Diego Comic Con of gaming, and that's good and okay. bad. I mean, it, it just keeps getting mm. bigger and bigger and bigger. You kind of get lost in it. In 2007, you could find time to talk to industry greats, but now you don't find that much time to do that now at Gen mm. Con. So there are panels there are some games I've seen come up. I haven't ever seen any shows or major events, but that really kind of depends on where you're at. Right. Just on a personal note, but it's actually interesting. The first gaming convention I went to was Mid-South Con in Memphis, Tennessee. Hmm. Mid-South Con, I believe it was 1999 or 2000 I went to that gaming convention. I had a friend I'd known online. He asked me to come up. I was living down in Mississippi with my wife. And so we came up with our daughter, and it was Mid-South Con. It was great. It was a blast. We had a really good time. I needed it. I had recently decided to take a break from ministry. And so I was there, and I was enjoying myself. And... Then, a few years ago, in 2008, I started my first full-time pastorate in the United Methodist Church, and it was at a church in Stanton, Tennessee. January of 2009, I did a funeral for one of my parishioners, and a person who knew people in the church and had gotten to know me came to me, and he said, I want you to meet this person, and he introduced me to her. Her name's Jane, and I said, you look very familiar, and we began to talk. And I found out she was, one, the cousin of my parishioner, but she was also on the board of directors for Mid-SouthCon. Uh-huh. And she was from the community that I was pastoring in. Her home church was the church I was pastoring, and she started coming once or twice a month to the services. Well, there you go. So it's weird how all of those things work together. So I could tell you that mm-hmm. while there may not always be something explicit, there are Christians and people of faith working behind the scenes in the industry that we don't realize. Most people that don't know Larry Elmore or have never had a conversation with him on that about those things would not realize the depth of faith and love of faith that Larry Elmore has, a love for Jesus. All of the Christians that are in the gaming industry, more than I would have known in 2007, I would not have known that. Now, seven years later, I'm like, man, I used to be able to count the Christians I knew in the gaming industry on one hand. Well, now i got to use all my fingers and toes. And uh, I'm from Louisiana, so that is a valid way to count. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, you use binary, right? Yes, 0101010101. All right, so we've talked a lot about formal activities. One of the things that happens at big cons is shadow cons. Sub-communities kind of get together and hang out. I assume a lot of that happens kind of within the Christian community. Well, not as much at Gen Con, at least for okay. me. Now, last year, we got to do a lot of that hanging out at the booth. Right, okay. Now, what they did this year, I wasn't able to make it every morning, but they had prayer time every morning at the booth where people would gather at the booth mm-hmm. and pray together, which was really cool. But cons, are your time is so packed in, and you're trying to do everything you can. So when people are getting together... At gaming conventions, a lot of times you will see either one, they're getting together with the people they just met at a gaming table and they're sitting down and grabbing some quick lunch, or they're getting together with their friends 
and that's probably the most that they've been talking to over the internet, and that's their one time a year to meet up. Okay, that makes sense. I have a number of friends that come to the convention, and they say, Derek, you know, I wish I could come to the worship service on Sunday morning, but that's when me and my friends have breakfast every year. These people I only get to see once a year, and of course my answer is, great, good for you. I'm glad you're spending time with your friends. Yep. I mean, that's fear of the con for most of us, you know, yeah. it's the only time we get to see anybody that you know we've met through the fear of the boot forums so. except for like i think the three of us have never actually met it no none of us have ever actually been in the same room with any of the others which <laughs> yeah. is just unbelievably sad but there it's you go poor planning really wow <laughs> i take full responsibility wow that that's absolutely crazy and cool but that's the nature of the internet i will say yeah. i first met dave mattingly online in 1996 or 97 via the Christian Gamers Guild back when we still used email forums, that fun stuff. And oh, yeah. it wasn't until 2007 that I met Dave face-to-face. So, And then Dave came through Memphis one year doing some soccer stuff with his son and let me know he was going to be in Memphis. And I ran over to Memphis, even though it was an hour away, so I could see Dave. That's the key yeah. that's going to happen. That's the shadow cons that are going to occur. The people that you've been wanting to see for a year, Sometimes those people are other Christians. Sometimes they're not. For me, my shadow cons are everybody I get to meet. I have people track me down because they know me as the geek preacher, and they want to talk to me. And so I love taking the time to do it. I don't care who you are. I mean, I have a friend who goes with me. And it's funny. I'm not a long-winded preacher. I may preach 20 to 25 minutes at the longest. You will not ever see Mm -hmm. me or hear me preach over half an hour. If I do, there will be commercial breaks every 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) But just for attention span purposes. But my friend says when I get into conversations at a con, that's when we go into Derek time. And I have missed gaming events that I was going to play in and all kinds of things just because wonderful times of conversation come up. I've had people I don't know just track me down and say, hey, man, here's what's going on in my life and my family. Uh, Could you pray for me? Or, you know, it's awesome. It really, really is. And sometimes, you know, it's like downloading a quick data stream. I had one guy come up to me and ask me a Jesus question one year. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, this is normally a two to three hour conversation. As a pastor, that would be a six week Bible study. How could I do this? And so I just did a data dump on him. I was just like, okay, dude, you want the answer? He's like, yes, please. And I'm like, bam, here it is. And he sat there like most geeks would. He absorbed it, took the data, processed it, and said, thanks, man. I've been needing that answer for at least five years. I appreciate it. Wow. Now i got to get to my game. Shook my hand and walked off. <laughs> geeks are wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah, because he understood when I said, hey, man, are you ready for a data download? He's like, oh, yeah, man, go for it. I was like, oh, gosh, you couldn't do that in most churches. You, okay, congregation, you ready for a data download? It's like, oh. They all look at you like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It gets kind of crazy sometimes. It really does. So, yeah, the Shadow Cons, not as much. I have a feeling at Dragon Con there is a lot of that because I've heard about meetups and things that the Mm -hmm. Fans for Christ folks do and some of the meals they have together. They have a really vibrant, vibrant community. Oh, yeah. I just envy how close and how tight they are. I've just never really been able to be 
at any of their events because most of their events were at Dragon Con or when I found out about them, I found them at a con and I didn't realize they were going to be there. So now if I go to a new con or a different con, I check with them on their Facebook page. Hey, is anybody going to be at this con? Please let me know. Cool. All right. So I got two more questions for you, and one of them is really big. How can we kind of bring our own Christian presence to any convention? And I'm, I'm not sure I'm saying this correctly, but do you kind of get what I'm driving at here? I, I think I do. I would ask you the question back. How do you bring your Christian presence to your job? Well, there, oftentimes I don't, because it's a very professional workplace, and we tend to talk about the job. And In fact, it annoys me when people don't talk about the job there. And that's the same way it very often is at gaming conventions. It's very much the same okay. way. I'm here as a geek. I'm a person of faith, and I'm a geek. But one, I don't want to annoy the other geeks thinking that I'm busting them upside the head. As a pastor, what I would say is how do you bring the Christian presence there is you're the hands and the feet of Jesus. You're making okay. friends. You're being kind to people. Be a good sport. Lose well. That's a tough one, man, because, you know, I, yeah. I am, I'm as close to being a pacifist as you can get without being a, an actual pacifist. I call myself a nonviolent person because I do believe in responding to some things done toward my family. But, you know, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. But when I get to gaming and I keep losing again and again <laughs> and again, I get mad. I used to get really mad. And then I, I started trying to live into the Jesus life, and I said, wait a second. And people say, well, yeah, you gamers need to do that. But go watch preachers play golf. Go watch Christians play golf. Watch them play yeah. baseball, football, anything. They lose. They get mad. And so I would say the best way to bring a good Christian presence is, one, be a gracious winner and be an even more gracious loser. So that's hmm, okay. one way to do that is to bring Christ with you and know no matter where you go in your hobby or in your life, Jesus is there with you and he's there to help you. And when you are the jerk that you will be, because you will be, we all are, oh, yeah. he still forgives you and learn to apologize. Those things they taught you in Sunday school, if you went to Sunday school, those basic principles of courtesy. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. To answer a question that Grant already answered, I find that I kind of bring my faith with me to work by sort of being the bartender, if that makes sense. <laughs> I love um, it. <laughs> always, always a listening ear. You know, yes. I'm. I try and make myself a safe person. I would not call that the bartender. I would call that more the therapist. The reason why I call it the bartender is because I tend to be very laid back about it, and I'm swiping the terminology that co-workers have used to describe it back to me. Okay, all right. My parents ran a nightclub in the 70s, so I would say bartender is a great term because I've known a lot of bartenders in my life, and they get some of the craziest conversation, but that's where people pour out their souls a lot of time is at the bar. I have no doubt about that. It's just, when I hear bartender, I think, you're kidding everyone drinks? Brandon, as you know, the bartender <laughs> thing breaks down real fast with me because I'm a total non-drinker. <laughs> He's just giving them the living water. That's it. He's just giving them the living water. I'd be the guy at the bar, so, you know. Uh, uh, my palate doesn't distinguish between alcohol and gasoline. I'm not trying to be all righteous about this. I just, I, I can't. Hey, no, that's fine. I'm like, oh, industrial solvents in a glass. You enjoy that. <laughs> Stand over here away from the fumes. Uh, no judgment from me. I have the exact same taste. Oh, 
This is not good. Ugh. Yeah, you folks enjoy your paint thinner. I'll uh, I'll be over here. <laughs> well, the way that I've usually brought my faith to work, I usually have to have a conversation with the place that I work that says, "So, um, I probably won't be able to work on Saturdays, but I'll be completely, totally free to do the Sunday shift." And that's something that I have to hold on to is the fact that we believe that Saturday is the day of rest, and you don't work on that day. So right. I, I can't imagine how difficult that is for you. When I got back into ministry and was also working a full-time job, it was tough getting Sundays off. And a lot of time I had to work Sunday afternoons after preaching three services. But having worked in retail and in other settings, I can't imagine how hard that has to be for someone who's a Seventh-day Adventist. And so you get a tremendous amount of respect for me, brother, for, for that. that. That is a tough thing. I was blessed with the longest job that I held. I actually had someone who uh, was raised Seventh-day Adventist also, who was a boss, who completely understood. Oh, yeah. And I think her family had something to do with the writing of Guide, which made me all excited because I loved Guide. I don't know if you know what Guide is. It's a small little booklet that gets handed out at Seventh-day Adventist churches for little kids. Oh, wow. I have wow. a collection of them. I'm getting into story time mode with my head right now. One of the times at work... Someone basically was complaining. He's like, why does Brandon get all the Saturdays off? And the boss was like, because he works every Sunday. If you want to work every Sunday, I'll give you Saturday off. There you go. Well, here's my question for you, Brandon. Now, I'm familiar with the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but are you allowed to game on Saturday, though, right? Um, uh, That would be... uh, See, I don't know... This is not something that I actually personally have talked to a pastor about, because I actually was raised in a family that believes that D&D is of the devil. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I started off, as, as I've said in past episodes, believing that playing Dungeons and Dragons was going to drag my soul. I was going to be casting spells and doing very evil things. And So you were the Dark Dungeons guy. Oh, yeah, I was. I was, I was afraid. Wow. I thought all of that was real. And then I met a Mormon guy who offered to DM a game with me, and uh, after a little while, we, we started talking, and I went in, and, you know, I had fun. I had so much fun, I tried DMing, which probably says something about it. <laughs> and, and I can tell you, the game was not good. <laughs> but the thing is that that got me interested in it, but the one thing I knew is that I couldn't tell my parents, mm. because now my mom knows that I game and all that stuff. I sort of told her that all the fears that she has about this are unfounded, and she needs to lighten up about it. But for the longest time, I would hide my gaming by joking about it. There was one time where my mom knocked on my door in the middle of the night, opened up the door, and was like, Brandon, are you playing Dungeons & Dragons? And my heart dropped, because all I thought was that she found all the books I had bought. Oh, wow. And instead, she pulled out this dice pouch that had Dungeons and Dragons written on it. Not any dice, just a dice pouch. And I was just like, oh, no, that's something I picked up in the parking lot at my job. Because I was a cart boy at the time. And she's like, okay. So personally, I believe that playing of Dungeons and Dragons falls under fellowship with friends and people like that. And it's a time of togetherness. It's not about making money. And it's a very cooperative game and all sorts of things like that. So I personally feel that it is something that I can do on a day of worship. I think that's awesome, man. If you can have Sunday as a day of rest. And I 
actually do a lot of gaming when I've had the chance. My gaming buddy just moved pretty far away. My idea is, in our culture, you definitely need a day of rest. Mm -hmm. And to me, part of rest is being able to sit down with your friends and sling some dice. That's part of being able to rest, is playing games with your buddies. Don't think you're going to find any pushback from that idea and the people here or our audience. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's awesome, man. Dude, that's a cool story, Brandon. Thank you for sharing that, man. No problem. I, I love sharing stories. <laughs> and like, like I mentioned. yeah. Like really? I and you like DMing. You should, wow, what a coincidence. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's so odd. Yeah, I know, it's a shocking thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's our resident storytelling theorist and stuff. He's He's got some cool expertise there. Derek, I got one last question for Go you. Go ahead. Have you been to a Christian convention of any sort, conventions for ministers and churches as well, and been to those and been able to say, you know, I do kind of geek outreach. I do some of this other nerd stuff, as it were. And talked about that. I mean, is there uh, is there kind of the other side of the coin? Yes, I have talked about it. Sadly, the first place I went to talk about it was at a conference in Memphis. And they set me up with a panel to talk about it. And no one showed up. That was Ooh. embarrassing. Oh. It, especially since most of the people there were on the margins of the church. And so it was very embarrassing that I, I went to do this panel and my friend came up to me and said, I'm sorry, we put you up against one of the top keynote speakers. And so sorry about that. <laughs> well, I take that back. One person did show up and he said, hey, man, I'm just here because I love you, man. <laughs> and so he and I just went outside and chatted for a little while. We had nobody show up. That was at a Christian conference. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Phyllis Tickle, but she is a writer and author She's very involved in what is sometimes referred to as the emergent church. And I have mm -hmm. friends that are very close to her. Phyllis is also based out of Memphis. And they had okay. a conference for her one year in Memphis. It was actually last January. And they needed some tech people to help out. So I got me and some of my crew, what I call my Geek Preacher crew, friends. And we went to just help set up, lay out Ethernet cable get TVs and videos set up, make sure everybody was good to go. Okay. And so we did that, and we got to talk to a lot of people behind the scenes. A lot of people by that time, because this was just last year, they knew who I was, so we would talk and chat. I will say there have been times I've gotten pushback. I've gotten more pushback from Christians than I've gotten from geeks yeah. and other gamers. Yeah, I Wish I could say I was surprised, but okay. I've tried to share this with a couple friends, like, and, yeah. well, some of my yeah. gaming friends haven't been the most receptive to it because they're afraid of the Christian elements. I have not approached any of my Christian friends because I absolutely know what their response would be, which is saddening. I do want to give that a caveat. Where I'm serving at right now, I'm serving Trenton First United Methodist Church in Olive Branch. The churches I'm serving right now are so very supportive. I think our bishop, Bill McAlilly, and his cabinet made a really good match for me and the churches I'm serving because we've got a lot of wonderful, geeky people in this community. And I have gotten so much support for the ministry that I'm doing by Geek Preacher website. And to be honest, I say this a lot, and I don't think some people really get what I'm trying to get at here. But one of the things that I have found for me personally is that geeks like the idea that 
I am a real pastor, not just somebody who downloaded some certificate offline. Right. The geeks I've met, it lends a level of authenticity for them, but at the same time, it also supports my church, and it really makes my church happy that they have a pastor who is out here doing outreach to different people. And so my church has had the pleasure and the honor of seeing geeks come in, my geeky friends come in, and worship with them. And they have made them feel so welcome. And plus, I've got a lot of geeky folks at my church, dude. I was here two months last year, and somebody came up to me and said, hey, my cousin wants to come and show a Doctor Who fan film at the church because he doesn't really have any other place he can show it. Would it be all right with you, Pastor? if he aired his Doctor Who fan film here? And you were like, absolutely not, unless I can attend? That was exactly my answer. Thank you. That's it. That was my answer. No, he cannot, unless I can come. (laughs) And uh, I came, and it was nice to be a part of it. But just to see that community here in this town, I did a sermon series called A Very Sci-Fi Christmas during Advent. I was doing quotes from various sci-fi movies. I had people coming up to me from the church with books that I was quoting, going, oh, I read that. That was my favorite book. That was my favorite movie. And that's not often you get that kind of connection. Mm -hmm. I've had that in some of the places I've served, and it's been really wonderful. But here I've especially had that. And I've only been here nine months now, and it's still made for a good match. On the broader Christian scene, however, sometimes I've had issues with it. I've tried to talk to other Christians about reaching out. I've had a few people write articles about it. They've asked me to speak at some places. I haven't been able to take a lot of engagements because I do pastor full-time, and I go to at least two conventions a year. One is vacation for me, and the other is Gen Con, where I'm, I'm just openly ministering. Right. So there has been that call to speak at other places, but sometimes there's a pushback. There really is, which to me is really funny because I thought about this the other night. We had a guy come speak to our United Methodist Men's Group, and he came to talk about a biker outreach they do where they minister to bikers. They're just there. They're friends to them, and they love them. And I'm thinking, I've been hearing about ministries like that for 20 or 30 years, and that's very commonplace. And nobody says anything about that. They're like, oh, my goodness, that's awesome. You're there for the bikers, and everybody's supportive. But then I've seen people who give me personal pushback on a one-on-one basis. Christians, these are the same people who would have no problem seeing a Christian baseball team or a baseball player going out there and joining Fellowship of Christian Athletes. They'd have no problem with biker outreach. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a big frustration for me personally. But whenever I have the opportunity, I do go. I've been invited to speak to various groups on geeky topics at churches, just regular churches. And when I've been able to do that, I do go. I would say the response is growing. Just like the open Christian presence at gaming conventions is growing, the positive response is growing. But it has been difficult at times. Interesting. That actually begs a follow-up question. Sure. What do you think is the best way of handling that pushback when you encounter it, from especially from other Christians? Uh, to be honest, it depends on the type of mood I'm in. If they've caught me in a bad mood, I have gotten to the point at times to just say, so you're telling me they've fallen too far away, they can't meet Jesus? 
what are you willing to do to reach someone for the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, I'm probably more moderate left than I used to be. I used to be a very conservative, right-wing Bible thumper. And as I've grown in my faith, I've grown in grace and grown in love and mercy. That sounds very familiar. I had a friend, actually wasn't even a close friend, was an acquaintance, asked me a couple of years ago to go with him to a place. And so I'm not going to say where he asked me to go, but it was a place that even I, of all people, if you guys get to know me, you'd know, oh my goodness, what place would he not go? But it was a place I would not normally go. I would not feel comfortable going. And this man looked me straight in the eye. And he said to me, what would you do to save a soul? And I said, you expletive deleted. Uh, I cussed at him a little bit. All right, give me the keys. Let's go. Because he was pulling my chain, but at the same time, he was very serious. And so that's what I would say to a Christian. What are you willing to do to save a soul? I heard someone say something like this, and I modified it. And so here's what I say. I say, we storm the gates of hell. And when we storm the gates of hell, we find that Jesus is already there going, where the heck have you guys been? I've been waiting for you. (laughs) I like that. I'm I'm using that one. Oh, that's the best answer ever for that question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, my favorite image is the paladin in hell. Are y'all familiar with that image from D&D? Uh, oh, no, yeah. No, not really. Yeah, the cover of the book. It's actually inside the Player's Handbook, first edition, AD&D first edition. They even made an adventure for it. You can Google it if you want. It's called A Paladin in Hell. It's a classic D&D image. I had an artist friend of mine, Mark Allen, do a mock-up of that for me personally a few years back. And I think that's who we are. We're paladins in hell. Even though I would not say I'm lawful good, I'm probably more neutral good sometimes chaotic Mm -hmm. good, but we're to be paladins in hell. If you're going to give me pushback about this type of ministry, where are you storming the gates of hell is what I would say. And very often the gates of hell are in hurting broken lives that need the love and the mercy of Jesus. And I'll stop preaching now. No, that's good. I actually really like that. And I, I do have one more question. Like, sure, please. It's sort of a follow up to Peter's or Peter's asked about the people who have a problem with that and your response is lovely and i love it but the thing that i'm dealing with is i'm hearing the response that i would get in my mind if i asked them what would you do to save a soul and they're like well you can't save a soul who is in hell itself you have to bring them out of it which means bringing them out of this hobby which is obviously evil and terrible Mm. and things like that and how would you respond to that about this hobby inherently being an evil force? Uh, It depends on where that person's at. I know I am not going to be able to have a good conversation with someone who's King James only. They're not going to be happy if I try and quote original Greek or try and show them something in a Greek Bible. They're not going to be happy with me. So first of all, we've got to find a common dialogue, a common playing field playing feels an apt analogy there for gamers right but we have to find this common playing field so if someone thinks that role-playing games are inherently evil i can't even start with jesus on them if they're a christian i can't even start there with the outreach and the reaching people i've got to try and show them that role-playing games are not evil now my question is and i know this sounds bad but is it worth my time Is it worth my time to convince you that role-playing games are not evil? If you're already a person of the faith, you're loving the Lord, and you're happy where you're serving God, and you're reaching other people for Jesus, it may not be worth my time to convince you that role-playing games are not evil. Now, that's okay. You know, now you might could introduce them to 
other writers if they're willing and they're open people like mj young he wrote a story a number of years back is kind of a bio confessions of a dungeons and dragons addict mark joseph young's his name if you guys want to put that in the show notes but you could lead them to something like that and let them begin to read and look into it and research it but it all really depends on where someone's at does that kind of answer your question yeah it does um choosing your battles is kind of important yeah Yeah. choose your battles it kind of does i totally agree with the choosing your battles i know i'm putting you really on the spot oh no that's okay like any good preacher i can give you an analogy from my own life here's what happened with me personally with gaming and evil i'm gonna get really personal here i i've shared parts of this story i'm gonna try and condense it as quick as i can when i was a kid i discovered dungeons and dragons loved it I did not grow up in a church going home. We did not go to church very regular at all. We were occasional Baptists. Occasionally when we went to church, it was a Baptist church. I started gaming and playing and loved Dungeons and Dragons. I came home one day. All my books were scattered all over my room, and I didn't know what the heck had happened. I said, Mom, what's going on? She said, don't worry about it. Just straighten them up. I was looking through your books. And I found out that a neighbor had given my mother a piece of paper that had all the evil that was in Dungeons and Dragons and where you could find all the satanic stuff. Thankfully, it had the wrong printing or something because all the page <laughs> numbers were off. And my mom never saw the naked girls and deities and demigods or any of that stuff. So I didn't get killed over that because my mom would have beat me if she just seen some of the artwork in deities and demigods. But she just went to the page numbers they said go to. But at the same time, I do respect my mother for at least not freaking out and throwing everything away. She did look through the books, and she didn't have a problem with it. And so I give my mom a lot of respect for that. Now, here's what happened. I came to faith in my 20s, came to faith very conservative Baptist tradition. I was not fundamentalist, but I was already headed down the road of being a fundamentalist. I went to Revival, listened to this guy say that Dungeons and Dragons was evil. I shut my brain down. I listened to him. He was a preacher. He had to be right, right? I'm a new Christian, so it must be evil, and I must have been wrong. I was a devil worshiper didn't even know it. I went. I burnt all my books, mm. all my first edition Dungeons and Dragons books, all my basic D&D books. I set it all on fire. I also burnt all my porn that was a good thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> I burned all of that. I burnt anything evil. I also burnt all my fantasy books. I burnt J.R.R. Tolkien, okay? Because I didn't know Tolkien was a Christian. So I burnt everything. Because all I needed was the Bible, right? Shut your brain off. All you need is the Bible. Well, I was going along. I felt the call into ministry. I, I struggled. I fought the call into ministry. I went into ministry, and then I said, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I went into ministry with the Assemblies of God, so it was a little bit less fundamentalist. I was moving a little bit more away from fundamentalism. I was King James only at the time, and I said, well, let me go to this Bible college. I was married. I went to a Bible college, Christian University, actually, and I began to study, and I began to learn, and I tell people, my brain grew three sizes one day, my take on the Grinch story. I began to learn biblical exegesis. I began to learn church history. I began to learn the history of the King James Bible. I began to learn that, and I, I realized Christianity is so much more broader and open than I thought it was. It's such a much more glorious, beautiful thing 
it wasn't just this one little tiny bubble of us four and no more. And as my brain began to open back up and I began to turn my geek factor up again, I began to study more. I began to read more. And I said, wow, this is kind of cool. And so I began to move away from things. And then I had a professor said, you are going to read this book called The Last Battle by this guy named Clive Staples Lewis. Was from my English class at a Christian university, and you're going to do a report on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, why are we doing C.S. Lewis? My wife grew up in the church. She grew up in a very strong Christian home, and I remember coming back to our married student apartment. And I said, Jennifer, did you know C.S. Lewis was a Christian? And she said, Yes, I knew that. <laughs> well, why the heck didn't you ever tell me? And she said, I thought you knew. She's like, they called him the prophet of the 20th century. <laughs> and so at the age of 24, I suddenly began to devour C.S. Lewis. And in devouring C.S. Lewis, I began to weep because I found out J.R.R. Tolkien was a Christian. And I began to read Tolkien again. And that was my path to perdition, brother, because that's what opened up the door to letting my geek flag fly again, was Hmm. coming in this journey. And so that's what I would share with people. I just can only share my story and say, this is how I came through this. Now, here's the funny part. My mom had come to faith while I was a youth pastor. Before I went to Bible college, she had returned to her faith while I was a youth pastor and Assemblies of God Church it was greatest experience of my life to be there and to hear the pastor say, come down front and pray with your mom and Derek. And after she returned to faith, when I started going to gaming conventions and started speaking at gaming conventions, I started doing that right about a year or two before my mom died. But I'd started gaming a long time before my mom passed away. And my mom, I was telling her about it, and she said, but Derek, isn't that that evil demonic stuff? And I'm thinking my goodness, she's forgotten what happened all those years ago. So I had to lead my mom through that again. And so I guess the key is realizing that everyone is at a different place in their spiritual journey. And I've had to learn that over the years, that everyone is at different places. I have to choose the battlefield. Sometimes I could share my story. Sometimes I know that they're going to be so closed off to what I have to say that it is not going to do any good to talk to them about it. I just need to divert the conversation to something else. There are places I don't need to be. A geek like me should not pastor a church that has no sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> I should not be at a place that doesn't like D&D or not send me to a Methodist church where there are people there that think playing role-playing games or Dungeons and Dragons is of the devil. That's just, you're starting me off on the wrong foot. Now, does that mean I'm not going to be in relationship with those folks? No. No, I just don't need to be in a leadership position over them because they're at a different place in their spiritual journey than I am. And while they might not accept where I'm at, I have to accept where they are because I've been there. Does that help more? Oh, yeah, that that helps yeah. a whole heck of a lot. Thank you for putting up with my, like, no, no, I want an answer. <laughs> no, Brandon, it's a great question, and you do not be surprised in what I'm about to say. This is the most common question I get from Christian gamers. I have the same conversation at gaming conventions all around the country. 
I have gotten phone calls from associate pastors in churches. They've sent me a message. They said, Derek, I'm an associate pastor at such and such. I know who you are. I know what you do. I need to talk to you about this because I need to talk to my senior pastor. He's up here preaching against the stuff I enjoy. And so I've had to have this conversation more times. And generally, I found the best way is I just could share my story. And hopefully that'll resonate with you. And sadly, one young man, I remember, I told him he was attending a church and everybody in that church was just coming down on him. They were telling him he was evil. He was going to hell. And I told him, I said, you need to find a place that's safe. Do you want me to help you find a good church place that's safe for you and a good church family? And he said, well, Derek, actually, you've just confirmed what I knew in my heart. There is another church of the same denomination five miles down the road that's totally embraces who and where I'm at. And he said, I've been going there on Sunday evenings. So I didn't even have to tell it. He just needed someone to say, it's okay. Go someplace where you're more comfortable. And to say that's all right. Okay. Sometimes that's all people need. Well, Derek, I can't think of a better place to end this conversation. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I can't think of a better place to end this conversation either because wow. of where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you for your time, Derek. This has been an awesome conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. This is it's been great having you here. Thank you guys for having me. This has been a blast. I have enjoyed it, even with the technical difficulties, which didn't last yeah. a whole lot. Uh, though I do think someone will have to do some editing of uh, of oh, some yeah. of my audio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, I've been I've handed that off to Brandon so that I can sleep at night. Who has professional training in it. Yes, exactly. So it'll get done, and you will be amazed, because Brandon's really good at this. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's astoundingly good at it, actually. Yeah, no kidding. It'll make it sound like, you know, none of us ever coughed or sneezed or, you know, paused to think or anything. We, we sound like professional talk show hosts by the time he's <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah, good. Uh... All right, well, Derek, thank you again for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys um, for having me. This has been a blast. That's it's our pleasure. Yeah. Really our honor. I want to remind everybody, you can go out to geekpreacher.com. It's Derek's website. Everything you need to know more about him and a number of really good articles. And follow him on Twitter, yeah, too, because Derek posts a lot of really cool links to a lot of different articles. He's at Geek Preacher on Twitter. So from all of us here at Saving the Game, thanks for listening. And have a good one, folks. Have a good one, folks. See ya. Have a good one, eh? This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through inroadsministries.com, rpgpodcasts.com, stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.